The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight. She began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox? or his donkey from the manger, and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he had said all this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the Gospel of the Lord. After graduating from college in 1994, I traveled to Hungary, where I taught English, German, and religion in a high school that had recently been handed back to the Lutheran Church from the state school system after the Iron Curtain fell. I returned to the United States in the summer, late summer of 1996, at which time I scheduled a back surgery for myself. The surgery was on my upper spine, and the purpose was to address some nerve issues I had been having. The results were unfavorable, and ever since I have had a burning sensation between my shoulder blades as if my back was on fire. Not so fun. The particular procedure is no longer done, of course. Instead of an 8-inch incision and three nights in the hospital, patients now get an injection, a Band-Aid, and a wave goodbye. However, the upshot is that when people ask me why I have a scar running down the middle of my back, I sometimes say that I got my zipper stuck. And the reaction is almost worth the pain. Almost. The day after my surgery, my surgeon's wife died unexpectedly in an accident. When I saw him next, I barely recognized him. He was devastated, virtually unrecognizable, utterly consumed by grief. In this confusion, I was never prescribed physical therapy, and so I healed relatively poorly, slowly adapting to a more convenient, albeit unhealthy, posture. In times of fatigue, when my posture suffers, I feel my shoulders pulling forward and my neck aching. And I am then reminded of my grandmother jabbing me during church to sit up straight, Sarah Beth. So I pull my shoulders back and roll the neck around. Slouching hurts doesn't it? It always feels better to set your shoulders back, stretch your neck, your neck muscles, and look up. Imagine if you could never do that. Imagine being bent over for 18 years. Imagine the relentless pain, the unending pull of gravity on your body, curving the spine, collapsing the shoulders, being unable to stretch, to breathe, to look up. What happened 
to this woman in our reading from Luke that caused her to suffer so. The gospel says that it was a spirit that caused her crippled state, but what was it really? Scoliosis? An accident? The weighty burden of grief or poverty or sorrow? We don't know why she is bent over and unable to stand straight. We only know that Jesus sees her, heals her, and she praises God. One could take this story literally. That is to say that this woman physically is unable to stand up straight. Or one could take the story figuratively like Jonah and the fish or the seven days of creation, meaning she is metaphorically turned in on herself, her disease being staring at her own belly button for so many years. Or in other words, her suffering maybe comes from 18 long years of navel-gazing. The Latin for this, because we all come to church hoping to learn a few words of Latin, I feel, every Sunday, especially at 8 o'clock. The Latin for this state is incravatus in se, coined by St. Augustine in the 5th century concretized by Martin Luther in the, in the 16th century. Whether physical or philosophical, literal or figurative, is the condition of being unable, or maybe unwilling, to stand up straight, to stand up upright, and take a good hard look around at the world. In curvatus in se, to be curved or turned inward on oneself. Jesus heals this woman because he's a man of mercy. He's also the son of God with a kingdom and its citizens to consider. And he thinks, isn't it time? Does this woman not deserve? Is she not worthy enough to stand upright and look around at the world? Jesus decides yes and heals her. And her gaze moves from her own navel to the world around her. With a word, she is freed from the spirit that crippled her, whether she was crippled literally or figuratively. And the religious leaders predictively freak out. What is Jesus doing? They exclaim, he's healing on the Sabbath. He's breaking the rules because they are only beginning to figure out that Jesus has very little interest in their suffocating and oppressive interpretation of Jewish law. So Jesus shames them, a tactic which the smug side of me adores. And so here I choose to take the text literally. Because I relish the image of Jesus turning to these well-pedigreed, well-heeled experts and asking them, hey, you'd help an animal on the Sabbath, wouldn't you? To which they reply, yes. So then why not help this woman, who is, after all, a daughter of Abraham? Here, Jesus plays the family card. After all, he says she's Jewish, just like me, just like you. And remember that God keeps God's promises to God's people, right? I so love a snarky Jesus when he snarks on behalf of the weak. Could we correctly say then that after encountering Jesus, this woman is no longer in curvatus in se, but instead out curvatus out se? That's not a phrase at all by the way, but Latin's a dead language, so I feel like we can play with it a bit. 
In other words, she's standing upright now, not curved in on herself, but curved outwards towards others. Her shoulders are back, looking steadily out at the world around her, and that's what terrifies the authoritative powers. You see, it's easy to rule and oppress people when they are bent over and broken, staring at their own navels, literally or figuratively, due to fear, hunger, isolation. It's easy to persuade people who feel threatened to turn in on themselves rather than caring for others, to care only about their household rather than the world around them. It's harder to control people when they stand up straight and look around to see the world with their own eyes instead of relying on your interpretation of the world for them. Why are the authorities offended? and outraged when Jesus heals this woman. Because for the first time in 18 years, this woman can see for herself the injustices and oppression and suffering that they have been complicit in. These are persons of power who have a very vested interest in keeping her bent over and broken. And Jesus is messing with their plan. You don't see these things when you're gazing at your own navel. But you do when you stand up and look around on your own. People get offended when you stand up and see injustice and call out those who are responsible. Jesus comes to this world to lift humanity's gaze from our own navels, from our own self-love and self-pity to see the world around us, to lay eyes on the other, to fight for the other, to be a lover of others. It is time for all of us to stand up straight, literally or figuratively, and look outwards towards the world we live in, to see the suffering, the injustice, and the need, and to act. Isn't it time? Are all not worthy? Jesus says yes. The Ukrainian family that Gloria Day had hoped to sponsor, the Czech Bratz family, whom I described to you on behalf of the Social Justice Committee only two weeks ago, has secured sponsorship to the United States from another organization that they had been previously in contact with, and we rejoice with and for them. They are on their way. Our committee then pivoted and moved to the next family in need, the, Karet, the Koropetsky family, Sarah, am I right? Who secured sponsorship to Chicago two days ago. <laughs> Thanks, what? Through the paperwork that Sarah filed. So she helped that family on their way to safety. So the last several days have brought abrupt and sometimes frustrating changes, but listen to the narrative. People are in, who are in danger are moving to places of safety, and we are in the ring with them. How amazing is that? So when working with refugees and displaced persons, we must be nimble, flexible, and patient all at the same time. Because while this is an urgent situation, it's also ever-shifting. Regarding the latest changes and developments, the Social Justice Committee desires to be transparent with you, the good people of Gloria Day who have raised the money in an astonishingly short period of time to bring a Ukrainian family to safety and cover expenses for travel and to help them settle for a few months. The key will be connecting with a family at the precise time when they are ready to mobilize. It will happen. We're vigilant. We're standing up straight, right, with eyes set out on the world. There's no shortage of need, so I'll keep you posted. If you're anything like me, and I sure hope that you are, 
When Jesus calls me to stand up straight and upright and look around at the world around me, drawing my gaze from myself to the other, I am sometimes overcome by feelings of inadequacy or incapability, thinking things like it's impossible to help a family from Ukraine, or it's impossible to figure out my schedule for my fall semester, or it's impossible to get along with my family. It's impossible to find meaning in my life or in my work. We often only see the problems and the setbacks curving deeper and deeper into ourselves. Remember what God says to Jeremiah. Before you even had a face or a name, I knew you, he says. But I'm not good enough or old enough to do these things, Jeremiah says. Look, says the Lord, I have plenty of old people in my church. They are rich in resources and gifts, but I need your vigor, your voice, and your spine. I've known you since before you were formed, and you can do this. And so Jeremiah lifts his eyes from his insecure young self up and gazes out at the world around him and cries a prophetic cry to nations and kingdoms to destroy and overthrow the old ways and to build and plant new ways to bring ones who are in danger to safety. The young Jeremiah, yet without pedigree and status, cries out to the world of God's justice and God's kingdom. I'm sure at some point Jeremiah says to himself, hey, you know what, maybe I can do this after all, after having lifted his eyes from his young and scared self to a world in need of God's prophetic word, even though he's too young by the world's standards. But God doesn't care about such rules, like how old you are, or who you love, what color your skin is, how much money you have, what day of the week it is when God pours out healing upon you. Sometimes Sabbath law must be broken for the sake of the other, Sometimes self-love must yield to love of the other. Sometimes I discover that my navel is not nearly as interesting as yours. Not literally your navel, boundaries, people, but your face, your heart, your very, very being. So in the end, whether this woman was bent and broken, literally, poor Emma, whether this woman was bent and broken literally or figuratively is totally irrelevant. What matters is that in her bentness and brokenness, Jesus sees her and heals her and loves her. We are all bent and broken in body and soul. We are all turned and curved in upon ourselves, whether you're fleeing a war in Ukraine or moving away from home for the first time whether you eat too much or not enough, whether you feel crowded or all alone, whether you're drowning or adrift, part of being human is to be bent and broken. But God is not satisfied to leave you that way, bent over and broken, staring at your own navel. God desires for you to stand upright, to turn from yourselves towards the other, to lift your eyes out towards this world, to seek out others who are bent and broken, to love them, regardless of gender, race, class, 
sexual orientation, because God's desire is for every person to be loved just as God created them. God has known each person, each of you, from the very beginning, even before one cell divided into two that became you, even before you had a face and a name, even before you became the beautiful person that you are now. God has given you sources of strength and resilience you cannot even fathom, strength that equips you to be lovers of others in this world, strength to stand up, cry out, fight for. So as the school year begins, and as we work to bring a Ukrainian family to safety, as we each navigate our daily lives and our families and our relationships, let us all feel the gentle hand of Christ on our backs, straightening our backs, literally or figuratively, so that we lift our eyes from our own navels and look out at this world, shoulders back, eyes up, not down, so that we are not curved in towards ourselves, but instead curved out towards the other to be lovers of others. At Jesus' command, be healed of all that bends you and breaks you. It is time, and you are worthy. Amen.